listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from 3 Triple R. You are listening. Hello. Hello. Sorry, it's got strange. Nice to see you here. <laughs> what a coincidence. Uh, you're listening to the Breakfasters podcast for the week that just was the 8th of April to the 12th of April. Oh, many things happened. You're looking at me. Want yeah. me to tell you? Oh, I'll tell you about some of the things. So very excitingly, we were joined by Maria Banford, comedian uh, and legend Maria Banford, and had a very funny conversation with her. So that was yeah, pretty it was, cool. That was really cool. Uh, yes. And we also were joined by Michael Harden for Food Interlude. He talked to us about all the stupid diet fads that, uh, oh, no. Well, some of them were stupid and some of them were not, oh, so, stupid. not so stupid. <laughs> and how they've uh, been adopted by the... It was a mixed pack. Stupid, not stupid. And not so stupid. And how they've been adopted by restaurants. Uh, also, I went to my parents' 50th wedding anniversary on the weekend. So we had a little chat about that. And um, just a little chat about being mistaken for various other lesbians. <laughs> Ring-a-ding-ding. Uh, we talked about finding stuff when we were kids and the various things that some people would eat and other people wouldn't eat? Yeah. And I'm looking at one person. If in you found a half drunk bottle of Coke on the road, would you pick it up with glee and <laughs> yes. drink it? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm so glad that wasn't me. And then we talked to Loretta Smith about her fascinating book, A Spanner in the Works, a story of Alice Anderson and Australia's first all female garage. Uh, the weekend I drove to Albury. Oh. Yeah. Actually, that's a lot. Kath drove to Albury because my car's not. What, in between comedy festival shows? Yeah, pretty much. So sa- uh, Saturday night, it was um, – I finished my show. Uh, we actually had a drink with some, some mates and then um, got in the car and drove to Albury. After the show? Yeah. Jesus. Gosh. Are well, you no. exhausted? Well, Kath did most of the dri- – she did all of the driving. Did you sleep? Uh, no, because I, try- I tried to – you know, I, wanted- I didn't want to sleep. You know, I wanted to stay up so and stay up. Keep her company. Yeah, that's good of you. Um, so yeah, we stayed up and listened to some podcasts and what. Anyway, got to Aubrey at about one o'clock in the morning. I think. Oh God! Um, straight into bed, and then uh, got up the next morning because. Where were you staying? At my sister's place. Nice. Was she awake? Uh, no, she woke up when when we arrived. Okay, right. Um, just but didn't get out of bed. Just yeah. said, hello, and then anyway, hopped straight into bed. Um, and because we, we went to all, we went back home because it was my parents' fiftieth. Oh yes, wedding anniversary. Oh, nice. We were talking about this last yeah. week. Yeah, so um, we went to uh, just where they they live. Um, they're in like kind of a retirement. They've got a, an apartment in like within a retirement yep. village. Um, so they went to the main hall there and um, my uncle is a priest, so we had uh, a family mass. Oh, <laughs> Mate, God. It's been a long time. What a day. Speaking about Barabbas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was, uh, but it was lovely to see everybody there and then it was like just a morning tea afterwards. But during the mass they... Um, renewed their their vows so which was lovely but also at the same time it was um there was a tense moment just before because dad has dementia there was this moment of (gasps) oh he says no yes So, oh my god! So, so oh we had god. this moment of, you know, oh. <laughs> uh, like his, <laughs> it's mum's um, brother that's the priest. So he was, you know, doing that. Now, Jim, do you take? And then we're all like this. And then Dad, I do. Like, oh, oh. oh <laughs> and my sister and I looked at each other. We went, yeah. <laughs> Fist pump the air and like, oh, he's done it. Oh, that's so um, sweet. No, he's just got so your mum. Funny, your mum to say I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she was. Well, no, you, you should got your dad to go first because then your mum would have had the chance to. If he'd said no, she would have also oh, yeah, been able no, to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exa- that's exactly what hey, oh, he did go good. first, so it was fine. <laughs> and then it was even so funny, like in, when they were doing the the Eucharist and had the and he drank the wine, everybody could hear it. Just this, and then. Oh. <laughs> Delicious is the blood of Christ, Dad. <laughs> oh, oh man, it was cute. Just give me a drink of Christ's blood. Oh. It was yeah, it was a really joyful. <laughs> 
and just that um you know classic you know all of us standing doing hymns without the music and stuff it was just your classic home homemade mass oh your classic homemade mass that we yeah. all have <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every weekend I'm, this is why i'm looking at you <laughs> you understand what i'm talking I do about understand. yeah suddenly all those yeah what 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 do they call you don't call them like spells what are the words <laughs> <laughs> All the stuff comes back. Ooh, anyway. Yeah. Um, I remember when I bought you those um magical um Oh yeah, the magical things. What do you call them? Uh, the the patron saint medals. Patron saint, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We still the got wizards. The wizards. Yeah, <laughs> wizards of Catholicism. I've actually lost mine. Oh. I know, and I I feel like it might have cursed me. <laughs> Well, that's the danger. Didn't you, didn't you, you know, get spell and you lose? I know. <laughs> what, did, what did he give me? Yeah, did you get um, Saint? Uh, who's the one that um, the patron saint of lost things? Did you? Did he? No. Well, I got you the one that was to do with comedy. It was a patron saint of television, and it's really worked for her. Oh, she's yeah. been on TV a few I think times it's all now. Success yeah. because of me. And what? What did you get me? Because I've lost Maybe it. Maybe it's and like now all my failures. I, can't are remember. Of you. I know I was struggling to find one that was because there's such a strange collection of things that they're saints on, and you have to kind of extrapolate. I think you just gave me the one for losing things, and ironically, oh. here we are. Saint Luke. No, now I can't remember who that. Saint Andrew. No, losing thing is Saint Anthony. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It was no. And it's because most of them ended up like the saints or something because of the way the, they were the grisly death, isn't yeah. it? Like you lose your head, so you become the patron saint. saint of No, but like... Or, or <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> How pissed off would you be being that saint in heaven? You reckon you've got a headache? No, they usually... They double up, though. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. You get a few in there, so that's all right. <laughs> anyway... Uh, so we had a, uh, <laughs> had a, um, a, oh, and then we had um, like morning tea straight after, oh, and it was just like from tea. yeah one side of the room to the other. Just had a couple of tables set up at the back, and so Dad was like the first one to sit <coughs> down. Like it's just everyone's kind of mingling and stuff, and there's just Dad sitting at the end of the table waiting for food to come over. Fair enough. Um, yeah, it reminds me a lot of you for some reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All making sense now. <laughs> Um, and Kath had made them a um, a, a quilt, um, but this one she had made on the sewing machine. So the last oh. quilt she made, she made by hand. I was going to say, how did she make it so fast? Yeah, on, on the sewing machine. Because the last one, she yeah, it was hand sewn, so it took like Years. A, a, one year, like 11 months or something. Um, and this one was, yeah, a few weeks. But did I tell you about this? I know... We can talk about your weekends later if you yeah, want. <laughs> sure. But did I tell you about this? Um, you know how she made that, that wedding quilt for her cousin and her wife? Yes. Yeah, so how can I forget? It, yes, it took 11 months to make. Mm-hmm. Um, the many contradictions of Kath. Yes. <laughs> just sitting there. Uh, the feminist that quilts. Yeah, well, she she finds it very therapeutic. Also you know. chainsaws, though. So also chainsaws, yeah. yes, and has a chainsaw. <laughs> uh, so it took eleven months to make, and um, do you know a couple of weeks ago when we were down at Venus Bay, she was about to um, just doing the last wash. She washed it to before giving it to them. Oh no! Yeah. What happened? It shrunk in the wash. The one that she hand sewed. Yeah, the one that she oh, hand sewed no. and spent eleven months on. How much did it shrink? A, a lot. Are you serious? How did that happen? Well, she just put it because it's got wool in there and put it in the. In oh, a, did she put it in hot? Mm. Oh mm. no! And it just it it and shrunk. Can oh my you god! Enlarge it again, or no. is that? Did she cry? Uh, yes, yes. I, we both. I was just like, I don't know how. I'm like. So what do you? I took her for a walk down. Like she was just like we did some research. We tried to stretch it out, but it was just like there is no way that this is. Oh my god, that's but, terrible! And, I didn't know this. Yeah, and it, but it, it was still beautiful, obviously. Yeah. But it was just not the you know. But I saw the gift. It looked quite big. It was big. But and, not it, big no, enough. but this is before. No, no, no. This is before it was shrunk. You would have seen oh, it. Yeah. Oh, man. And, yeah, and then it... It's horrible. So oh, what, did, what, what, what did she... Did she still give it? Yeah, yeah, we gave it to... Actually saw them on the weekend. And she, they were like, oh, we're so happy with it. Oh. You know, we can, you know... 
you can use it for so like they're just it's just not going to fill up the whole bed but yeah, it's, and it doesn't it's a have beautiful to be a bed thing. Quilt, yeah. quilts can be like chair things exactly they be, they're yeah. like we'll absolutely put it on the on the couch or something like that yeah. but it's you know and because it was still beautiful and testament to how well it was sewn together the fact that it's still after it shrunk, was still, still held, held, yeah. held together. Um, but on the day, I just kind of went, "Oh, we'll just because um, you know she was like she felt so so bad about it." So I took her for a walk. I said, "Let's let's get out. Let's go for a walk. We'll go for a walk down to the beach and watch the watch the sunset." Did it help? Uh, yeah, but we got down to the beach and she was like, "The sun's not setting for ages." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back. <laughs> But can yeah, she, she was oh, like, it, it did, I, oh. it did help a lot. But, but it's just one of those. She was just, yeah, we tried. It's very uncapped to do something as well. Like, yes, you know, she's so logical she, and careful about things. Yeah, exactly. I can't imagine her. It was some sort of. She, she goes, I don't know where I. She thought she read it somewhere that you put oh. it in, in the. And she goes, I don't know why I thought I would do that. Of course, it's going to shrink. Like yeah. it was just like I can't believe I'm such an idiot that would I do this. But yeah, but everyone everyone has their moment. Exactly, exactly. She but should it was start just, a podcast called the Quilting Feminist. Oh, instead of the Guilty oh. Feminist. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Oh, all right, good. <laughs> We're going to talk about our weekends another time. Yeah, let's yeah, do yours right. later. Yeah, right. Free Triple R. You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R. Maria Bamford is in sh- in town for the Comedy Festival, performing her show The Irrelevant Redundancy at the Forum from the 9th of April. Right now, though, she's joining us here at Breakfasters. Welcome to Triple R. Thank you so much for having me on your program. <laughs> so, yeah, great <laughs> pleasure. We were just talking off. Yeah, this is your first time back to Australia in 12 years. 12 years, Was that yes. for the Comedy Festival back then? Yes, I was back uh, then, and it was wonderful then, and it is wonderful now. <laughs> uh, we just uh, show our part of a show until we had to tip over into a heap. Uh, yesterday, it was a young, uh, very well-skilled man whose name, of course, escaped me. Uh, but let's just say he was Scottish, uh-huh. and he very good. He's very good. Oh, cool. uh, uh, I'm so sorry that I. That's not helpful at all. Um, what? How has your show changed? But is it important? No. We know there's a lot of good stuff out there. Why does everything have to be so good? I have to ask you why. You know, there's so much genius. You know, I like a two star experience. I love. Well, you've come to the right show. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what per- perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nobody's perfect to you, mate. Yeah, no, it's just. Uh, I love, yeah, just, uh, if I can just just cons- continue on unfettered at half steam, uh, generating up to three new minutes of material per decade. That's <laughs> that's my timeline. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> it's it's worked out. It's worked out. Uh, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much for having me <laughs> on the show program. I, I I get so scared. I haven't been back here in a while. I get scared of um. There's a lot of publicity for shows, and I get worried. I don't want to be vague in my advertising what the show is going to be. Uh, I'm odd. Google it, YouTube it before you come, please. If you want to make Australia great again, uh, think think twice before you come to my show. Do not Do you have many actually people? don't qu- come. Uh, don't come. Uh, uh, Well, in the U.S., we still have, you know, it's just, it's the problem with the arts. If you Mm. say, well, it's going to be beautiful. Well, what is beauty? Uh, Same thing as comedy. What is, what what do you find funny? Uh, Very subjective. So, my one hour research. If you had to um, (laughs) spare yourself some pain. Flyer for your show. Mm -hmm. Like, if no one knew who you were Mm -hmm. and you had to be at the front of the town hall handing out flyers, what are you saying to sell your show? Mm. Do I want you to come? <laughs> That's the real question. Do I want to see you tonight? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Been flying long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want us both to be disappointed. <laughs> Let's take it outside. I think you it's so lovely. Uh, can we? <laughs> I was because I was just on the and the more um, promotional radio station, the Triple or not not Triple J, but the other um, Triple M, maybe uh, maybe Triple M. I was on that, and I I just get so scared. I'm just like they're like, oh, it's a you know. So we're, we're or, and then the, we did the TV show, the project. And they're yeah, like, yeah. we'll keep it clean, and I'm like, oh, but this is false advertising. I get so scared, like. 
I'm going to be clean for this moment, and then um, it's going to be a lot of... Uh, well, I, I think, but more than I do, I swear, I'm, yes. I have a poor attitude, which I think people find more offensive than anything. Well, that's very, that's the triple R audience. Yeah. Swearing and poor attitude. So really? just be yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Let it out. All right. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I watched, um, your Netflix special was one of my um, favourites, probably because the way you, um, like it starts off with you just doing your show in front of a mirror and then it moves on to you do it in front of your husband and I think your parents and then slowly the audience grows and grows and grows. Uh, and I think I really enjoy that because it shows the process of what it takes to write a show. Yeah, well, and I thought I just – part of the reason I did it because I just thought it's so hilarious the uh, – you know, people see you in one venue and they go, you tell a joke, they say, tell me a joke. Yes. And then they go, uh, uh, and then it goes from 25 people, oh, you're pretty good. Oh, 75 people are laughing. Oh, wow. You have, I mean, you have something. And then if – like, because I, I had a friend who said, I just don't – I mean, good luck. And then she <laughs> saw me on TV <laughs> – and then she was like, you're very good at this. <laughs> I mean, it's all in the perspective or in the, yes. um, I, I can't remember what the word is, but where you, um, uh, yeah, based on, on what the, the setting is. Yes. You're, and uh, also it goes to show at how important an audience is. Yes. In terms of, yeah. And that the that. audience is down because uh, if, if they're, uh, my, my, I'm not going to do somebody's retirement from the army tonight. Yeah. Uh, you know, that would be, <laughs> d- again, I could list a bunch of circumstances in which you probably shouldn't come see the show. <laughs> but then we'd be here for hours. <laughs> do you have, have you had problems with mental illness? Are you okay with talking about it? Have you had a suicide attempt? Come on down. <laughs> Come on down. Oh, yeah, I saw. <laughs> that, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Please. I saw an interview with you where you talked about having stage fright and said you enjoy performing but only after the fact. Is that still the case now? I mean, are you looking forward to this show? Oh, oh yes, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, well, and uh, yes, I think I'm great and I'm hilarious and what I have to say is so important. But I'm also conscious of the fact that I'm an older, wealthy, white woman. And that is the why I have the title to the show, which is that uh, hey, nobody needs to hear what I have to say <laughs> at this point uh, in time. But if you're, if you're bored or not busy, again, Come on down. why not? <laughs> uh, you know, but I don't want to pressure you. Uh, there are certainly so many, I mean, there's so many more interesting points of view out there. I think, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, comedy all different nationalities and uh, abilities and all that stuff that are really exciting to hear about. Um, uh, yes. Is there any anyone uh, doing the festival at the moment that you're particularly interested in going to see? Or have you had a chance to look at the guide yeah, at all? I, I have not. Uh, I, of course, want to see the people uh, that I already know as uh, who I've seen before. So I'm, I am going to go see Daniel Kitson, who I know is a, oh, he's yes. a big... Uh, but... Um, and I'm seeing somebody named Ann Edwards. Ann Edmonds. Yay! Edmonds. Edmonds. Uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. Well, I think you'd really love her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, She's one of my best mates. So excited to see her. Uh, I'm sad that I missed the um, the group of the Americans because I, I, I haven't seen The headliners, seen yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, I'm 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 down to see uh, everything. I love to see. Um, uh, I would like to see some some. Two stars. More shows. clowning. Yes. Ah. Two stars. Oh my gosh. If something is poorly reviewed, <laughs> let me in. Is there no room at the one star show? Can I stand in the back? Maybe they'd let me get on stage. Maybe. Maybe Jeez, I that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it can't it can't get any worse. Let's put Marie on the bill. <laughs> How can we create a, a lack of draw? You talk about, you, when you talk about making people uncomfortable in the audience, do you have a bit that you know is going to make people the most uncomfortable? No, you never know. That's the exciting thing about coming. You never know what people are going to be completely horrified by. Yeah. Um, especially like intimate, 
<laughs> my mom, my mom, who I still do impersonations of, thirty-five years later. Uh, wow, it's a very on. good impersonation. No. I thank you. Not thank that I've you. met your mother, but I can. <laughs> I feel like I have. Well, she's a lovely woman. The last time she saw me perform, and it's amazing that she still comes to see me perform, um, she said, oh, I just felt hurt by that one joke, and I had to ask her, which one? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, which no. one? How does your dad feel about Not you? a good person. About your comedy? Does he come on still? Um, he said, <clears throat> last time I asked him what he thought of my show, he said, uh, you know, hey, whatever, <clears throat> whatever you need to do for money. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you that you, uh, you can pay the rent. Uh, <laughs> do you thanks, Dad. Do your parents pop up in this show? Uh, yeah, a little bit. They, they've given us advice for marriage. I've just I've gotten married uh, the past... Uh, I guess it's been, I think we had our four-year anniversary. I'm so terrible oh, at this. Congratulations. But I, thank you very much. Because we don't know what we're doing. So my parents have been married over 50 years, so they've given us some advice. Um, and uh, sex is the most important thing <laughs> in a relationship. No, I mean, I, I, you, you got to keep your father satisfied, you know. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to go into details, but... <coughs> Your mom, you know, every morning. <coughs> it's private. It's private. But, uh, you know, and I'm grateful that I can still do that. Wow. Uh, but that's good to know. They're in their yes. 70s. And my mom is fighting the stage, uh, fighting the effects of stage four lung cancer, but she's still putting out. And that's, that's, and that's really... You, you gotta. <laughs> wow. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Do you have a line, a firm line between what you'll talk about in your work and what? Remains private, or uh, do you just? Sure, sure. I mean, there's certain things I I can't, I can't talk about just because, uh, yeah, they involve people I would want to destroy and burn a bridge with for the rest of my life. Uh, uh, so I, I do I do have some human standards, um, but uh, yeah, I do I I will pr- pretty much talk about. Uh, Anything that to do with your life, you're happy to talk about? Pretty much, as long as I I think I have to have some perspective on it. I'm sure there are things that uh, uh, I um, am blind to, Mm. so I have no, like, uh, uh, yeah, that will have to be pointed out to me, hopefully in a review. (laughs) 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 But she does not... Go deeply and like I don't talk very deeply about politics or, and I, I feel uh, ashamed about that. That I, I, I definitely don't know about what to say. I just know how I feel about things. I yes. can say, I can say that I have a 19-year-old pug named Betty. Uh, she's blind and deaf, so whenever we leave her for any amount of time, uh, she'll wedge herself between the stove and a kitchen cabinet, and she'll be sometimes when we come home, she'll be covered in her own fecal matter, making this noise. Ooh. That's it. That's how I feel about the United States uh, right now. Because um, I feel terrible, but I still want a biscuit. If if there's a biscuit around, I will take it in my hands. I can't find the doggy door anymore. I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's how I feel. Now, do I know what the, you know politically how to put that into words? Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't have the. The, the well, I think that's. I think you did a very skills. good job. Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, you're here doing stand up. You're also a writer, and a lot of people will know you as an actor as well. Do you do you see those things as like very separate, or do you think they all sort of feed into each other? Well, uh, I don't know if you guys feel like this, but I love money, and um, <laughs> so in that way, they're very much the same. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, but I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy being being creative. Some things I, I feel less confident about, but it kind of comes and goes. Every everything, like uh, you never know how a show is going to go for mm. stand up. So I love stand up, but if it goes poorly, wow, what a bummer. Uh, and acting, I don't feel as I don't always feel as confident. But if if I can get laughs and it's going well, then I feel excited. Uh, I don't feel like I'm getting the, giving the right answers here. Um, I should be giving. No, something there are no wrong, wrong answers. Mm, <laughs> I don't know about that. It's not a, it's I don't know about that, <laughs> <you> guys. <laughs> there are a couple of wrong answers. 
we talk about um <laughs> with Lady Dynamite, um you there was other writers that wrote that. How did that feel like it's essentially that it was about your your life and your experiences and stuff. So yeah, tell us about that writing process. Well, I just went in and had salads and would tell stories and then it it, it was I, again, I was older when uh, the offer for a TV show came in, so I was in my early 40s. So I really have been had the opportunity to tell my own story in my own words for years. Mm. So it wasn't a, as big of an attachment to me anymore um, to have to have everything just how I see it, yeah. um, which is hilarious because then I think sometimes with the show it was a bit... It was a bit more raw and kind of a South Park energy than I, I, I am, and uh, so... You know, maybe it was confusing to some people, but uh, but it was super fun because it was doing something in a group, which I, I've just never done that before. Uh, so it was fun to hear other people's uh, and, and give uh, have employ somebody else and have them have the experience of it getting to say uh, what their uh, like there are a couple stories in there that were from other people's childhood, yeah, right. dating your cousin, <laughs> and uh, when you've made out with two of your cousins, but you don't find out until later <laughs> much much later um so uh yeah it was it was a great experience and we bought a house uh in, in cash so money is good isn't it i mean i don't want to keep harping on it but i really have, i really appreciated it uh at the u.s we don't have any health care so uh i feel like uh um yeah uh it not not I, I don't have a severe mental illness, but I do have enough one where I go, oh, it's good to have some extra money lying around in case I go uh, go AWOL again, and then uh, you know I could pay the hospital bills or, <laughs> I mean, which is, it's but it, it's sadly so true. I have a couple Australian friends in the U.S. who've who've uh, you know emigrated to the U.S. have become uh, green card holders there, and I'm just like. What are you? What are you doing? <laughs> you, you got a good deal back there. You can see a, a doctor anytime you want. Isn't that true? You can. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah, you had a joke about dentist dental work in oh. your act about how you could. Is that? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Hard to get that done here. Do you have well, to wait in line? Is we got to pay for dental work. We got to pay. Yeah. It's yeah. not covered oh. with yeah. Medicare. So you know, everywhere else on your body, you can get it fixed. But in for your some mouth, reason, you your gotta, teeth are different. Yeah, you got to pay up. That's interesting. Which I just find, yeah, odd. If, if you just called it something else, oh no, this is my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just sharpen my vagina? Uh, <laughs> that might be <laughs> the end of the show. <laughs> which then the show is called the Irrelevant Redundancy. It's on the yes. forum from the ninth to the thirteenth of yes. April. Yes. We've been talking to Maria Bamford. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lovely time. Oh, I'm not in the mood for this today. Triple. Oh. It's time for food interlude here on Breakfast. It's time to talk to Michael Hutt. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. Good What's morning. happening in the world of food? Well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the latest fad diets even though these fad diets are kind of like people telling you about their dreams you know fun for you but not for anybody else <laughs> but, um, but uh, there's a couple of there's sort of like there's a bunch of stupid ones going around like the latest one that I was reading about is called the snake diet okay which uh, doesn't uh, sound like you don't actually have to eat snakes so so you can relax okay. um, you eat but, you what know, a snake eats <laughs> you eat like a snake eats because right. everybody knows like oh. it's about dieting because everybody knows that snakes are smooth and skinny and yes. spelt so obviously if you eat like one that's yeah. what you'll end up looking like so are you eating so, mice and birds and so forth <laughs> yeah raw mice it's great um, no you just eat like a pig for two hours or eat like a snake for two hours and then don't eat anything for the next 22 hours Jesus so one meal and then you all you do is drink snake juice Juice, which is basically salty water. So um, oh that's obviously one. So if you're an idiot, Google that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm into that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> <Snake> juice. <laughs> the other one that's sort of like a little more legitimate, it's uh, it's called the Cato diet. It seems to be sort of one that's, yes, I've uh, heard that's this up a and lot. about at the moment. Everywhere. So, yeah, yeah. So, and it's sort of like, and it involves you going into 
you have to sort of remain in a state of ketosis, which seems like a lot of effort to me. Um, but, you know, what you do is you sort of, you pretty much you're eliminating carbohydrates and sugar out of your diet. And so your body starts burning the fats that are made in your liver when it's processing meat fat and that sort of stuff oh, so okay. it's like it's so you sort of it's supposed to be a way of it was originally um designed to eliminate the number of epileptic fits in children okay uh, that sounds good so uh but now it's sort of been adopted as a sort of a healthy energy weight loss kind of thing it sounds um, very similar to the atkins diet it's sort of a little bit similar to that except they're really pushing fat like it's you, right. you want to eat fatty meat, you want to eat lots of butter, you want to eat lots of cream, no carbohydrates at all. Mm. Um, there's a few bits and pieces in there. You can eat, um, you know, you can eat a bit of seafood. You can, eat, and but no starchy vegetables, so no potatoes mm. or, or anything like that. You're eating cucumber and kale and oh, sort of those sort of things. What about sweet potato? You, no, not really. Not sweet like potato. not if you no. really want to be a ketoan. Mm. Just a few um, spoonfuls of cream. Mate, yeah, exactly. <laughs> your dinner's all right though. Like you put in a bit of olive, olive oil and, and asparagus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can do do a few things like that. You would, you do suffer apparently when you convert before you go into the state of ketosis. You do suffer from keto flu, is what they call it, and that's um you get a dry mouth and you're nauseous and you might get a bit of diarrhea and you're tired and it? uh, it's fantastic. What does it mean though when you're in a state of ketosis? Well, it's sort of like it's you keeping your body at that level where it's feeding off the fats on oh, the, from okay, the liver right. rather than sort of the sugars from the carbohydrates. Okay, so you sort you. of basically it's about eliminating sugar and carbs and stuff like that. So some, some people could think that that, that was he- like healthy. Is it kind of is it one of the diets where there's scientific dietitians don't like it? it. Oh, don't they? No, oh. no. They sort of they say that there's some of them. You know, they say there are some benefits to it, but the problem is because it's got so much meat and fat in it. It's sort of the fats that we've been told for a long time that are not that great for you. So mm. we're sort of talking heart disease and then sort of there's a lack of fibre and that sort of stuff. So nutritionists don't really love it. Um, They're sort of of suggesting other things, which sort of brings me to the next one, which is uh, paganism. Oh. Which is not actually as stupid as it sounds, even though that it is. Um, it a does sound blend. Stupid. Yeah, it sounds so dumb. Uh, it's, uh, um, but it's a blend of the paleo diet and veganism, which oh. sort of sounds. Oh. Yeah, almost they... impossible yes. because yeah. the paleo is all about meat and eggs and, you know, veganism, obviously no animal products at all. But basically I think it's sort of a, a doctor sort of dietitian backdoor way of getting people to eat the Mediterranean diet, which I think is basically what it is, which is sort of 75% plant-based and then but you are allowed to eat a little bit of meat and fish in this diet and eggs as long as the eggs are pasture-raised, free-range, as long as the egg is free, the uh, meat is free-range, that oh. sort of stuff. So it's sort of like, you know, they, they're giving it this brand, but I sort of, the more I looked into it, I thought, I know what you're trying to do here. You're just trying to make people eat healthily. Yeah. So, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it a cool yeah, it's like, I see your little game plan here. So, but uh, yeah, so it's sort of like, you know, it's just another one of those diets and it's sort of like, you know, but you sort of think, I feel sorry sometimes for the chefs because it's like, you know, this constant pile up of you know food intolerances and and yes. food diets and that sort of stuff but um you know i sort of went from being i think it's starting to be much more accepted sort of these things are sort of they sort of smoothly run into the into the dialogue about you know that's they're accepted into the dialogue about food much quicker you know mm. i can remember you know i've always been sort of quite food intolerant intolerant but um <laughs> it's uh <laughs> but i just kind of now you know i can remember sort of years ago being in a restaurant and being totally irritated and embarrassed with a friend of mine who bailed the waitress up for 30 like it felt like 30 minutes it was probably two <laughs> um sort of talking about everything on the menu going through everything on the menu of what she couldn't and couldn't eat could and couldn't eat mm. and uh, ended up with a bowl of steamed rice and okay. sort of like but now I kind of like you sort of think well you know it's it's a thing yeah, and yeah. you know you look at you look at the the figures and it's like they're saying that 30% of Australians do have some sort of allergy or intolerance to some sort of food so it is a it is a real thing and we're just kind of more used to it now mm. and the chefs are sort of like just accepting that this oh. is this is what's going to happen. So, do you so. think at most restaurants, if you went in, because I went to a, a place recently and we were with a woman who kind of is fodmappy, yeah, um, which is like a fructose intolerance, I guess, in a nutshell. And mm. they, the, the the chef was really un, 
understanding and said, oh, we can do this for people who were like... They kind of had backup recipes. Yeah, do you yeah. think that's kind of more the standard? I think this is definitely where we are, you know. Yeah. It's sort of like... Because I think that's become so normalised so quickly. And, um, you know, and it's sort of... It used to be where it was like, you know, the things that they needed to worry about was things like, you know, people, nut allergies that had send people into hospital yeah. death um, and then uh, and then you know vegetarianism was probably about the only one and now that's mm. sort of it's all so, so mainstream now yeah, yeah. Um, you don't need to kind of ask about you know vegetarian meals because it's just all there now well yeah and mm. I think this is one of this is one of the things I was thinking about it while I, that's made me less grumpy about it is that the fact that it actually has increased the variety of what you can get in restaurants yes. because chefs are now having to sort of be way more um, creative mm. with vegetarian vegetable dishes and everything because people yeah. are expecting them and sort of like and then and you know things like um dairy intolerances and gluten intolerances can lead you into um different flavors like you know with dairy there's a lot of sort of you know different milks and different cr- like nut creams and things like that which uh you know even if you don't need to eat them it's sort of like they actually bring something different and new to the palate so sort of there is you know if you want to be the bluebird of happiness about there there is a bright <laughs> side to that so but uh you know it's it's just the way that is like you know there, i was i was talking to a caterer like large-scale caterer the other day and they were saying that of they had a party for 650 people and there were 140 people putting in what they call now dietaries. So, you know, it's sort of like it's this real juggling act because it's all sorts of different things because there are the actual people that are allergic, which is, you know, life-threatening. We have to be very, very careful. And then there's the intolerant, which is, you know... It's it's not less in some ways because it does make people uncomfortable or, you know, affect mm. them in some way, but sort of less life-threatening. But it's a lot of them going on. And so. I've got to admit, sometimes I've been invited to a wedding and you get that little invite that says, "Do you, are there any food intolerances or is there anything? And sometimes I just say gluten-free for the hell of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, why not? Yeah, gluten-free and then, uh, and then you know, and then sort of get a battered fish or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of <laughs> if you say it on a plane, you get... Your food, food before first. Everyone yes, else. Yeah. So they're sort of like yeah, all the loopholes coming in. So yeah, it's uh it's a very interesting. And then you can get the other one when they're still going around and eat yeah. two. <laughs> exactly. Jeff's exactly. done so that many it. times. They've got, they've got a photo of Jeff now in the Virgin yeah. Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a difference though. Like, I mean, uh, so if the chefs will adjust to dietary. Into, I mean, are there some things that they just won't go? With these some of these fad diets where people, well, the chefs will just roll their eyes and say this is a step too far. Yeah, I think that sometimes, like, it's sort of like I think they're becoming they're you know they, they're needing to get across sort of the health issues and and i guess sort of legal issues as well mm. um that a lot of them won't but like even in the early days where people were sort of rolling their eyes and there was a lot more complaint about it in the amongst chefs you know it was sort of like you know how are we supposed to do this and it makes our job much more difficult and everything and now they've sort of come to accept i think because there's a real economic imperative in it for them too because if you know if like if somebody who's got these intolerances know that there's certain restaurants that can easily and happily cater to them they will definitely go to those restaurants so it's sort of like there's a few people that sort of early adopters like there's a restaurant in the city called uh, Maha which is a Middle Eastern place and uh, Shane Delia who's the chef there um, he kind of jumped on this really early like could see and so it's like you know he had a he had a vegan menu you know, while people when people still hated vegans with a passion, yeah, right. so you know it's sort of like and now that they're sort of accepted, it's sort of like you know a lot of other people have um, have you know jumped on the bandwagon. And then and they're sort of top end restaurants. That a lot of them have um, vegan degustations. You know, Attica caters to them. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like so it's and then you're looking at things like burger chains and everything are, are, down, are also kind of on the on the bandwagon too. So it's actually a thing, and uh, rather than be irritated at at it like. I usually am. It's uh, better just to uh, take a big, big, deep breath and go with the flow. Sound advice for everyone. Thanks so much, Michael Harden. We'll talk to you again soon. No worries. Thanks. Three, triple R. You're listening to Breakfasters. Uh, when, you, when you're a kid um, and you find stuff on the on the street, like oh, yeah. m- like maybe food or drinks and stuff, would you ever? Um, Eat, consume it? Well, I had this happen once when I was a kid. Did you? Yeah, what? me and two of my siblings were up at Rye with Mum. Mm. Same with Mum. We uh, were allowed, you know, we were allowed to, like, run Rye when we were yeah. up there. Mum would just go, Off you I'm going to read a book. You guys just go and here's <laughs> some money to go to the shops and buy treats often. Mm. And we went, actually, she sent us to go and buy treats for ourselves. And we, when we came back, we found in a bush... 
and the front of the property that we're in, a massive white bag of lollies. But I mean like a, a supermarket bag <gasps> full of all the lollies of the rainbow, not just a couple oh. of lollies, like heaps of packets of different lollies. And and we found... What I know. Could you remember? It was like a... It's like a, a leprechaun. Dream come true. Yeah. yeah, uncovering his gold. So we found this bag of lollies <laughs> and we went, we picked it up and you could imagine, and there was so much conversation about whether we told mum about the bag yes. of lollies or not because we thought, but then we started thinking, what if, you know, stranger danger, yes. yep. kids. So what if... What if this, they're poisoned? What or? if this is a lure? What if they're poisoned? Yep. Then we got to the idea that they were possibly poisoned or laced with drugs mm-hmm. because our understanding of that's what drug strange danger, do. that is what drug people do. They mm-hmm. lace bags of lollies <laughs> and put them in front yards. <laughs> and so this conversation went on for ages. And then there's even moments where we had out, I remember in particular one of those candy bracelets. Oh, and I, yes. And I was going to lick, like do a test lick of the candy bracelet and in my brother and sister being like, oh, I don't know if you should do this, and me ha- hanging it over my face. And I was like, I'm just going to lick it, and if I die, you just got to call mum straight away if something <laughs> goes wrong. And this went on for some time until mum found us in the front yard and was like, what is that? And we said, we found this bag of lollies in the front yard, and she grabbed it off us and threw it in the bin, and we're like, oh! oh! Anyway. So you didn't you- get to... <laughs> no, we never ate the drug lollies. <laughs> do, you, do you still dream about it? Yes. <laughs> Where are that, those lollies came but from, who though? I think what like was it? And did was someone it? toss it? Do you know? Oh, here we go. Here's my theory oh, on yes. it. Uh, someone else had um, found a, a bag of lollies <gasps> elsewhere, oh. and, and they were like in the back seat of the car, going through it, going, "Oh, should we should we eat these lollies? How do we know that someone hasn't bought them? I'll just lick the I'll lick the candy bracelet. No, you don't lick the candy bracelet. And then the mum in the front seat of the car has realised <laughs> what's happening. They're like, "What are you talking about back there?" And then and then they go, "Oh, we found these lollies." Like, give me those bag of lollies, and then they wound down the window and tossed them out, and they ended up in your front oh. yard. It's been that who knows where the bag of lollies started. It's yeah. just been thrown from place to place. It's funny though when you're that age, the way you overthink things. Oh, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. You know, like mm. you immediately think you're the in one of those children's books where yeah. there's like some issue and you've got to work out what the right thing is. Because you read the Babysitter's Club and you think yes. that this is some big mystery that you're going to solve. <laughs> or maybe someone else had, um, uh, it was shoplifted. That's what we thought. We came up with mm. the conclusion that, because we'd just been up at the supermarket trying to buy lollies and uh, this was apparently all I did as a child was <laughs> my life revolved around lollies and getting what them. Do you, what do you mean you tried to buy? I think that we had a certain amount to spend and we, there was a oh, lot of okay. arguing and stuff that went yep. on about how we were going to spread the money yeah. and there'd been lots of discussions and so we thought that maybe this was a kid who'd successfully stolen more lollies because maybe we'd even discussed whether you'd nick some but we didn't mm. actually do it and that they'd got caught and that they'd run and thrown oh, the bag. Thrown the evidence yeah. away. Or do you think maybe one of your siblings had, had bought it? And oh, no, nah, I don't think so. I found um, a whole bunch of money in the city once when I was a kid. It was like um, it was in like a lane. And yeah. I was walking past that and I saw like a $20 note and I went in there and I found it and then I saw another one. <gasps> and like in the end it was about $200, which seemed like an immense amount of money. It is an immense amount yeah. of money. But it's it was like... heaps of money. Yeah. It's money now. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> it was clearly the proceeds of somebody's drug deal or something like that. But it had like oh. spilled out everywhere. And so it was like that thing where you find one... And then you keep rummaging about and you find another one and you find another oh one. What did you do with it? Kept it. Yeah, kept it. Oh, good on you. Yeah. yeah. No, but it did have that thing, you know, of should I take it to the police station? Should I, you know, and exactly that sort of. How you think old of, were you? Oh, I don't know, 10, 11, something like that. That is very, oh my God, did you tell your parents? Yeah. Did you just buy a thousand Magnums? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been living off that supply of Magnums. <laughs> Ever, yeah, ever. what did you do with that 200 bucks? Didn't your parents notice that you were suddenly flush? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... It- oh, I've got this, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've probably spent it on model planes, which was something uh, of a preoccupation uh, of mine at the time. We really used good. to buy these little model planes. Oh, and sweet. then, but... They would, and they would have these intricate photos and intricate assembly manuals, and they would just never turn out the way they were. No. I remember finding them all later, years later, and they were all just had these like <laughs> thick layer of glue, <laughs> big globs. Anyway, yeah. oh. my brother had those. Oh no, the exact model planes you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
Because uh, you guys did well. You had a whole bag of lollies. Yeah. Someone did you point out, though, bucks. it sounded like a witch trap. That was another thing we did. We were massive into Roald Dahl, so we'd read The Witches, and I was obsessed, and that was another thing. We were like... Well, I didn't ah. believe in witches, but, you know, in the witches, they're always trying to lure the kids with yes. bags of lollies. <gasps> Witch trap. That, that, that idea about drug dealers that we all got from somewhere, it was so strange when you think about it. was weird, it. wasn't it? The, the idea that, like, they, they would just that be spending all the would time. would be injected <laughs> with, yeah. with drugs? Yeah. Like, I, it's, if it's still in the bag, it's good. Do you know what, like Yeah, it, that's true. Uh, that's did what you, I did you, did you ever find food or drink? Yeah, mate. <laughs> Of course I did. <laughs> what? I, I, still, I thought it was the greatest thing ever that someone had tossed out. <laughs> it's, just, it's nothing compared to your big stash of lollies or your $200 cash. <laughs> but I did once find half a bottle of Coke. <laughs> and oh. I went, oh, this is great. Oh, disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> that is foul. Half it a is. bottle, was it warm? Yes. But I was How like, how old mm, were you? Delicious. Uh, <laughs> was this just like yesterday or something? What was this yesterday? Someone texted to say that they found a family. This is this is actually testing as to whether you would eat or drink a half thing of Coke. She said, I found a family-sized block of Cadbury that was barely opened and one square was missing out the Ooh. front. Of, and so they took it. They said, of course they bloody took it. You snooze, you oh. lose. Yeah. Jeez, that, right, that's, that's drug chocolate if ever there was yeah. one. <laughs> Here's another one. Um, we once on on the way to school, like in the park next to our school, there's um, our, a whole box of chips, like pack of, <gasps> like a, a box, like a proper box, like out like of it the, had fallen off the back of a truck. Yes, and and these were like chips. And for at one stage, they they would did this um, promo where you got two packets of chips for the price of one because they like stuck the two chips together. Like top and tail, oh. and so everyone was like, "Oh, double bags of chips for everybody!" It was great. That is so cool. Oh, that I can. Can we just go back to the fact that you found half a bottle <laughs> yeah, of coke yeah. and let, drank let, it? Let us go back to that because that is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, I don't have too many limits about these things, but <laughs> yeah, I, I would draw I the line it's there. Disgusting. I don't even want to do drink my own half bottle of coke when I find it. Yeah, but was it all flat? Yes, but it was. You know, when you don't have. When you it, Coke is such a treat growing up. Where was it? Just on, on the, a park I was, bench. No, no, I was <laughs> <laughs> seriously on, on the road, oh. and I because I was riding my bike and I saw it and I was like, oh, this is the best day ever, and I and I I did go. I was around at a friend's place and I'm like, look what I found. <laughs> She was like, are you drinking that? What are you doing? 102.7 Triple R. You're tuned to Breakfasters here on Triple R with Jeff Geraldine and Sarah. A spanner in the works, the extraordinary story of Alice Anderson and Australia's first all-female garage is a new book published by Hachette. Its author is Loretta Smith and she's joining us now. Welcome to Breakfasters. Thanks, Jeff. It's, this is an extraordinary story. How did you come across Alice Anderson and her forgotten history? Uh, well, it was way back in 2008. I read a book on Edna Walling, and Edna Walling is the was kind of the same social set and age as Alice. And so, in in the um, biography by Sarah Hardy, Alice just rocks up to this party in a huge um, tour, and she's this tiny little thing, and she's covered in leathers, and she takes them off, and she's got a little pretty dress underneath which I think that bit she probably got wrong because it was kind of a slight imaginative you know piece little cameo but I thought I've never heard of this woman this is crazy what mm. I don't know about this incredible person and I googled her there's hardly anything around and then uh, a few months later I happened to be working in the city of Burundara uh, which is where Q is, which is where the garage was. And I had a, a client with Alzheimer's, um, Mary. I was very fond of her, but like every time I opened the door, I was this new person to her. Although I used to take my therapy dog, Dexter, my little black and silver mm. schnauzer, who's sadly no longer with us. But yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got Alice, the black and silver schnauzer. Now. <laughs> 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 yeah, strange that. Um, yeah, and so she always remembered my dog and my dog's name, which I found really interesting. Anyway, she just dropped a bombshell one day in her kitchen. I was in there, you know, checking that she had the right um, pills and things like that because I was her case manager, helping to keep her at home with all the right supports. And she just said, oh, my, my mother was the driver and the mechanic in the family. She worked for Alice Anderson. And I thought, hang on a minute, what's going on? Oh. Wow. And then 
uh, uh, towards the end of 2008 was the year for me, I tell you, the end of 2008, I trip over Dexter's lead and I end up on the on the footpath and I graze my knee, put a hole in my jeans, I thought, oh, you know, but I'm okay. Um, and not long after that I realised I'd actually put a fracture in my spine, which wasn't serious, but I've got this rare genetic bone condition, the same condition that Stella Young had oh, and yep. Quentin Kennehan, but I've got the more mild version, so I, I am up and walking around even though it's on crutches. And so that's what happens to people with OI, as we call it. Um, people call it brittle bones disease, but it's it's not really a good descriptor. Your bones bend and break and your joints dislocate because it's actually a collagen defect. So, mm. yeah, um, there was nothing that could be done. It was just but very bloody painful and not something I could go back to work with in a hurry so I took three months off and I've always been eligible for the disability pension but I've always wanted to work and be independent for as long as possible and I just thought no I'm not going back I'm going to chase up this Alice Anderson and that's what I did and I haven't worked for the last 10 years I've just focused on her and yeah my body's gone very pear-shaped because I didn't realize at the time but once you hit menopause with this condition if you live that long um yeah your bone density kind of goes to crap and so I've been in and out of hospital and had five million surgeries in that time and yeah did a lot of the writing on morphine so I said (laughs) I said to my publisher I hope I I I can write the next (laughs) book without the morphine you know (laughs) oh well it's working for you so uh, tell us about Alice and then she had an unusual upbringing both privileged but also in some ways deprived how did um, a young woman in turn of the century Australia Mm. become a car mechanic and a famous driver well, um, it, it was down to her personality and her social position, I suppose. Um, she was born in Malvern, you know, which was sort of the you know east of Melbourne, upper upper middle class family. And her father was this brilliant engineer who actually had a um, business engineering business with John Monash. And they met at Melbourne Uni because um, Joshua Thomas Noble, Noble Anderson, which um, the family called him JT, and that's what I call him in the book, um, he lectured in engineering and he actually taught John Monash and they became friends and set up a business together. And John Monash very quickly realised that as um, that JT was probably more brilliant than even he was, uh, but um, was the big ideas man and real Walter Mitty character and was a terrible money manager. And actually, um, Ellen Mary, Alice's mother, went into their um, office one day, which was in Elizabeth Street in Melbourne, and she just laughed because John Monash's desk was as neat as a pin and everything was all lined up, you know. He was, mm. very, he was very pragmatic and, you know, he got into soldiering, which obviously suited him very well um, after they they kind of went on and both did other things and um, JT's desk was just this huge mess with papers all over the floor and you know that pretty much described the two of them. Mm. Okay so Alice Anderson is running a garage in the 20s and the 30s. You describe her garage as a place where women can reinvent themselves and live out different gender identities. Tell us about that and how that works. Yeah, well, um, I should backtrack a little bit because I didn't quite finish um, answering your first (laughs) question. But yeah, they they ended up going from like riches to rags to riches to rags and by the time Alice was 10 years old, they were living in their, um, what was a very roughly built summer cottage in country Narbathong in the Yarra Valley, um, you know, a few miles from Healesville. So she grew up as a tomboy. She learned how to, you know, ride a horse and shoot and fish and, you know, I mend the fences and she ran around after her, her elder brother Stuart um, who she adored and just wanted to do all those kind of boyish things and so she loved anything that moved basically so she started out on bicycles and then when the family could afford a horse she was on that horse and you couldn't get her off it um, she was never inside uh, she was an avid reader as the whole family were it wouldn't, didn't matter where they went in the world they took their 14 crates of books with them yeah I know amazing and there was no room for the books at the cottage it was actually they were actually out on the veranda and and Alice was never inside she was even late for meals she was up a tree reading if she's reading so yeah that's the sort of person she was and um yeah what was the second question (laughs) (laughs) sorry well I I just wanted to get onto her garage and and her her gender bending ways okay yeah well um (laughs) uh look I 
it's interesting. I was on John Fain's conversation now the other day, and he asked, you know, outright whether Alice was um, a lesbian. And um, they used the term sexual invert in those days as well, but the term lesbian was around, um, which I found interesting because yeah. I thought that was a fairly modern word, but mm. no, it wasn't. And um, look, more than likely, Alice was a lesbian, but she was only 29 when she died, and there's no evidence that she actually had a relationship with anybody. Some of the relatives say she absolutely wasn't and she just wore these outfits because that's what she had to do for her job and um, some of them say look she probably was a lesbian Um, I mean you know even today with some families there's a bit of a scandal attached to to that so yeah Um, so yeah it's very interesting but I would say you know my gator would very openly say she was (laughs) Um, yeah, her, mine's dinging. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot, Alice herself and a lot of her garage girls were mistaken for boys or men. Alice um, had about two dresses in her wardrobe and she basically wore them for weddings or funerals. She, you know, wore pants and, and, and caps and shirts and coats and things as her sartorial preference, which is pretty outrageous in the day, even though there was that, you know, it was the roaring 20s and, and women had this freedom they hadn't had for a very long time. Once the depression came, you know, they all got shoved back in the, the closet or the, you know, the kitchen, whatever. Uh, but uh, there, there was a freedom there that, you know, women hadn't seen forever. In 500 years, um, women had their hair long and then all of a sudden they were able to cut their hair short and get around, you know, wearing sporty breeches and riding horses, not side saddle. And, yeah, so the, the garage, it was a novelty. There were, um, after the World War One there was a lot of women's magazines and there were a lot of things to sell to mm. women. There was money around. So for the first time ever, you know, it was okay for women to wear makeup. You know, you were a prostitute or you were on the stage or in film otherwise but you know ordinary women could afford makeup and it was one of those affordable luxuries and and cars were the sexiest thing in town you know um, mm. everyone that could afford a car had one and the more elite um, actually didn't drive their own cars they had chauffeurs or in Alice's case they had chauffeuses and so she dressed up her, her garage girls very neatly in what was probably a combination of a sporty horse riding outfit and the uniforms of World War One. you know so they had the breeches and the boots and the gaiters and the white shirts and the the ties and the overcoats and the and the peak caps and the goggles and yeah. the and the driving gloves and a lot of her clients were lesbian and you you know, I did my homework. Actually, you know, I had family members say, oh, yes, so-and-so was with Auntie Dorothy and they lived in Lake Warren and they, you know, we knew them as a couple. And so I've, act- I've actually been able to get some proof around this stuff. Um, the university crowd was a euphemism for um, women lecturers at Melbourne University that were her clients that were lesbian um, and they were some of the the first independent women that were earning that could afford to have a car and a lot of their friends were lesbian and you know I've got proof of that as well so um, from my perspective it's a really important part of lesbian history there's a huge gap there I went to the Australian Lesbian and Gay Archives and there was pretty much nothing available for me to even look at in terms of getting any information around that so yeah John Fane asked if Alice was a lesbian and quite a few people kind of texted in, how dare you ask her sexuality? What's that got to do with her work? And I'm very glad he asked the question and I encourage that because it is a very important part of our history. Uh, all right. It's a fascinating book. There's a lot more that we could ask you, um, although I think we're running out of time. Probably oh, best I'm a bit of a mitre mouth, sorry. <laughs> <Probably best. laughs> Did you have any more questions? <laughs> all right. Probably best if people go into the book itself. It's called A Spanner in the Works, The Extraordinary Story of Alice Anderson and Australia's First All-Female Garage. It's out through Hachette. We've been talking to Loretta Smith. Thank you so Thank much you for so coming. Much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Loretta. Free, Free your, your mind, mind and, and your, your station, station will follow. Three, Three, triple, triple. Ah, ha, ha, ha. You're listening to Breakfasters. 
I do. Um, my show is at the um, Imperial Hotel. It's on at 7 o'clock. I've been to it. Um, so thank you for coming. I. Yes. Uh, on the same night, in fact. Yes, opening <laughs> night. Thanks very much. Appreciate your support. Um, there is another comic, Kirsty Wiebeck, who is on at 7.30 in uh, the room just next door. Ah. She's also a lesbian. Right. And the amount of people that get us confused. <laughs> do you look alike? No, well, she has short hair and is also gay, but that is <laughs> the extent of it. Really? I know what I'm googling her I'm now. Googling yeah, yeah. Because I really want to know. It. And we no, other than us having short hair, we look nothing <laughs> alike. Oh no, you don't at all. <laughs> um, hang on. but you're right. Like short hair, likes a shirt. Yeah. We have we dress similar. Um, yeah, not even your 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 clothes and probably you you like bright shirts. Yeah, she she's more of a um yeah she, I she think likes she a vest and a shirt by yeah. the looks of things. Vest and a shirt, she and also very some t shirts. Yeah. She's you know she wears some nice t shirts and stuff. Yeah, uh, well as do I. But um, <laughs> yeah, so just a similar dress sense. But it was so funny. Like I remember the first night I was at um you know opening night I was just standing there you know. At, in the foyer waiting for the other show to finish and stuff. And then um, this woman comes in and walks past. She goes, you're Kirsty Webeck. <laughs> you're oh. Kirsty. Oh, no. Oh, no. And I, and I went, oh, no, no, no. I'm the other lesbian. I'm the other lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you actually say that? Yes, of course I did. I said, that's Kirsty there. Like I'm pointing to a poster. And she went, oh, yeah, sorry. I knew, like I knew that, you know, you were, I just, I'm sorry. I mucked up. I'm like, it's totally fine. Was she embarrassed? Oh, yeah, a little bit, because she knew that, I think she, as soon as she said it, I think she was just excited and was yeah. just like, obviously knows both of us. And, and just if you recognise a face, yes, maybe just recognising the wrong one. Yeah. It's just, you know. Have uh, many people come into your show thinking that? Yes. <gasps> yes. You're stealing <laughs> all has, these so, people. Yeah. Well, last year, it was the other way around. Her show was on at 7, mine was on at 7.30. Oh. So, I'd quite often, um, sometimes I'd have people coming in a little bit late or yeah. not at all. Um because they would accidentally go into Kirsty's show and then like ah. be like, oh, this is, oh, well. I'm, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here, here now. <laughs> yeah. And I had, because I had a couple of walkouts the other night of, from my show. Did you? Mm. Oh, my God, when that happens, how do you feel? Do you, do you say anything or do you just let them go? No, no, let them go. You I have no idea why they're walking True. out. And it's like yes. I'm not saying anything to Elicit Offended. a walkout. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah, it's not not at the same spot or anything like that. It's not mm. like some. Oh, this one <laughs> joke. That that like, that's done. a bit too much. Yeah, I've yeah. been here for the rest of it, but that one joke, it's over the edge. I'm like, if 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 one of my jokes offends somebody and they want to walk out, that's that's each to their own. Yeah. You know? and, um, but you're right. You don't know. They could have got a message that someone's sick, or you yeah. don't know what it could be. Well, mostly yeah. I just think that they're going to the toilet or to the bar to get another drink or something. Yeah, do and pe- it's do not people as do just that? Do people get one drink and get another drink and come back. Did, uh, Titus O'Reilly's on doing the show after mine, and he says it happens all the time in his show. Does it? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's more of a sporty crowd. Yeah, or something. and he's like his audience <laughs> is so uh, rude. Yeah, he knows that. He's like, <laughs> yeah, because he's just, just like... Just carry on. I'll just go get another yeah, chicken. exactly. It's don't like, care it's about the next <laughs> 10 minutes of stuff. One hour, you can't, like, just... Also, just just bring, hold that thought there. I'll bring back a drink bring in. one drink in. It's yeah. enough for an hour. Yeah. But he's just like, his audiences are a bit more, like, a night or out, you if know. you're Jeff's brother, bring in a flask. <laughs> Hope you're listening, right. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so when people are walking, I just assume they're going to the toilet or something like that. And also because um, it, it, it wasn't distracting. I just saw people up the back kind of get up and move and it was like, oh, that's Although fine. it could be distracting because they pack them in pretty tight at that place. Yeah, it could be distracting for people up the back perhaps, but I think there's a bit of room. Anyway, there was two people that got up and walked out and then... Um, and then apparently um, they walked out and said to the usher, they said, um, we're so sorry. <laughs> we, we're actually here to see Kirsty Weebeck. <laughs> um, oh, my uh, God. Yeah, and they said, we have uh, three other friends in there, but they are stuck. <laughs> so I think they must have been in the middle of the row or something. Oh, and just no. Like, oh, no. 
So I think they just stayed for the whole show. But apparently they were friends of Kirsty's, and it's that thing where um, they hadn't really been to the comedy festival before, oh. and they just didn't quite understand. You know, they would have seen stuff on the telly and stuff, and so they just didn't really understand that there was heaps of different shows and whatnot. Oh, right. And just kind of went, oh, it's the lesbian double bill. <laughs> like, you know, just kind of went, oh, yeah, or maybe – and just kind of assumed that oh, I was – Or you were opening was, for her or something. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I was going to say, because if they're friends first, they haven't really got any excuse for getting you mixed up, have they? they? Yeah, I know, right. So they were – <laughs> I haven't just, seen it for a while. She changed a bit. <laughs> That's I a know. very good point. They just kind of went into the – you know, wrong room. So, right. which is fine. And they, so they were sitting, but apparently they said they were just like going, oh, you know, we just thought she was, you know, doing your open or was split bill or something. But then, oh man, she just kept on going <laughs> on and on. Oh yeah, no, it's 50 minutes, mate. Well, enough about me. <laughs> Please welcome oh my, my twin God. sister. Kirsty Weeback. It's so funny though. I was did I, I um it was in Edinburgh once doing um I was just uh, on holidays, but I ended up flyering for Hannah um, on for her show. So yeah, I just right. be out with all the flyers. Going, do you want to come to this show? It's a brilliant comic from Australia. Come check it out. This is quite a few years ago, and then um, these these Scottish lads came up. And, you know, they obviously had a few and stuff and they were like, is this you? Is this you? And I'm like, no, 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 it's um, it's a friend of mine. She's doing a show, blah, blah, blah. And they go, that's not you. And I'm like, no, 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 it's it's absolutely not me. And they went, no, that's you. That's you. They just kept on going. And then, oh my God. then he picked up the stack of flies and just ran them through his fingers. Like just went, and then just went, well, these are nothing but a pack of lies. And then walked off. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like you were absolutely just could would not believe that I was not Hannah Gatsby. Oh my god! <laughs> you don't like believe in Hannah at all. Look more like Kirsty well, Weebick than Hannah Gatsby. Yeah, maybe. But also, Dad was this watching. This is like lesbian racism. <laughs> yes, it, I don't know yes. what the uh, is that the. I don't know Jeez. what you call it either, but it, oh man, it happens all the time. And my dad did it as well. Dad was watching. Oh, dad did. Yeah, dad was watching. Was watching the telly. Oh and my god, I when, can't deal with this. When Hannah was on once, oh my god. and just was sitting there watching the telly and just went, "That looks like Geraldine," <laughs> and then called me up and said, "I'll give her a call." <laughs> Anyway, at least you didn't say that was Geraldine. Well, yeah, I yeah, thought you were yeah, going to yeah. say. No, oh, well, you've had a lot of fame and fortune, yeah, and you can just you. write off Hannah's success. Yes, I have. <laughs> You're listening to the best bits of the Breakfasters from Three Triple R.